If you like this podcast, check out Studio Red's amazing lineup of podcasts at studioredmedia.com. Welcome to QT with RT. I'm Todd. And I'm Ryan. And today, we talk about paying your dues. All right, Ryan. Um, you got to talk at your alma mater. I sure did. Yeah, uh, apparently, word of this podcast is getting out. <laughs> People are wanting to hear me outside of this room now. They don't want you in their ears. They want you in front of their eyes. That's right. That's, That's right. <laughs> I don't have a podcast face. That actually is absolutely not true yeah. because I can guarantee you nobody in that room had heard our podcast. And that's okay. It really was like, who in town graduated from Barry who did student leadership that we haven't asked yet? <laughs> Ryan. Let's get Ryan to He's do. the only uh, He's one. He's the last few. one on the list. <laughs> that's right. Sometimes being at the bottom of the list doesn't matter as long as you're still at least on the list. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, anyways, I thought, though, uh, after I got back, I mean, you were talking. Yep. We said, hey, this would actually be potentially a good podcast episode um, because I feel like, I think both of us feel like a lot of people go through this when yep. they graduate um, and uh, start their career. Definitely something that I went through. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like it's something you went through. Um, something that I feel like you've seen Allie go through since she's graduated. Yep. Uh, a lot of our interns and different people who have worked with us after they graduated have gone through this. So it just kind of seemed to be maybe something worth talking about. Yeah. Yep. And uh, how? first off, how was do you think was the reaction to it? Um, well, when I was – I basically had my speech broke up into two parts. Uh-huh. The first part was me kind of saying this is sort of – I was really telling my story. Yeah. But – but putting it as though I was, you know, them. Yeah. And so I was like, you know, you'll, you come into college this way and, and you go through the different years and opportunities like this, and then you graduate and then this happens and this happens. Um, that got a lot of laughs. Okay. Probably because I was being brutally (laughs) honest and they probably weren't used to an alumni coming back and saying stuff like that. (laughs) Using the phrase, the crappy of the crappy. You just needed to have like one arm and an eye patch and like, like, I went through things. I saw things. (laughs) You won't believe the things I've seen out there, kid. Uh, But uh, once I actually got into the advice part, it got more quiet because I I think that's actually kind of the part that a lot of us don't really like to hear. Yeah, it's so the brutal, the brutal, honest yeah. advice, um, especially when you're in this hopeful, life fulfilling experience that is known as college. Right. Um, you know, somebody sucking all the air out of the room is not <laughs> um, what people usually enjoy. Um, a couple of students came up and said thanks. Uh, the teachers and like staff members, they all came up and laughed right and said you know thanks for saying you know be humble or thanks for saying pay your dues or you know things that i think they've experienced either themselves or you know have seen other people uh, other students like yeah. struggle with um but uh i don't know i'm very curious to be yeah. honest uh <laughs> to a certain degree uh, you know me i absolutely care yeah how people feel about it yeah uh but I feel so passionately about this and the fact that nobody talks about it that I actually don't. I can, like, because of how passionate I am, that, like, that part of me, like, tells the other part of me that's, like, insecure about talking in front of people and them not liking me. 
to shut up because it doesn't matter. Right. Like this is too important not to talk about. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, I'm still curious. Well, and I think for a lot of people, it's not the message that is told in all culture. And so therefore they're like, there's no way to have this in an optimistic, hopeful way. And I think telling people authentically how rough life gets, you can be hopeful in that. Like yeah. you can you can be brutally honest and say it sucks, but we're in this together. Yep. And so you want to go over your your list. Yeah, of- and and I mean we've kind of been poking around about it a little bit, but just to kind of set it up a little bit, basically what um, I felt like nobody told me when I was in college, and something I've seen pretty much every single college student I know that's graduated. Uh, I've never met a college student who didn't go through this. Um, and it doesn't have to be college. I mean, it can be yeah. it can be leaving home at 18 and joining the workforce. It can be coming back from, you know, some missions program that you were part of or whatever, right? I mean, it can be any kind of thing. It's just that part of, like, entering the workforce and becoming, quote, unquote, an adult. Yeah. Um, and um, for me, what I was basically describing here is, you, you know, you start out as this naive 18-year-old joining college thinking that you're going into the real world because you're leaving the comfort and safety of your parents' house. And you're thinking, oh, man, I've got to go be an adult now and join college. And you get there, and it's the complete opposite. Everybody's super encouraging. Everybody's super nice. Everybody, like, you know, upperclassmen, seniors in college treat the freshmen as equals, where in high school they treat you like you're a dweeb and not worth right. their time. You know, your professors teach you like treat you like an adult and want to have intellectual conversations with you that your high school teachers never did. Your high school teachers just told you to spit out your gum. Your college professors want to invite you over to their house and talk philosophy. Seize the day. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, um, staff members are asking you to apply for jobs that they're in charge of. You know, organizations want you to join and be involved. All of a sudden, then you start... They start asking you to be the leader of the organization. Then all of a sudden they start telling you how great of a leader you are. And 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 as I was telling the students, I was like, you know, the crazy thing is like the more people say that stuff, the more it becomes true. You start yeah. seeing it in your life. You know, you, you do give that awesome class project. You do put on that awesome event. You do make the, you know, one of the awards that they gave out. That's the ironic thing is that I gave this depressing talk during for their <laughs> awards dinner right. or their awards like ceremony. Um but like one of the words I gave out was like most improved organization, you know, and like that's something that you do. You do improve the organization and it's something that's obvious and everybody can see it. And so then you get to the point where you're graduating, even to the point that your uh, speaker, your mm-hmm. graduation speaker uh, is somebody that then comes in and says, you know, you're the change the world needs. You know, never has the world needed your generation more than ever before. You're the generation that's going to come in and, and fix all of our problems, you know, be the change in the world you want to see, you know, uh, uh, do something you love and you'll never work a day in your life. You know, all these like very hopeful, optimistic things. Then you graduate, you get your first job. It sucks. Right. It's not fun. Nobody at work is friendly. Yeah. Your boss is too busy to ever mentor you or encourage you. If they do talk to you, you're lucky if they're just like, if they're just competent, you're lucky, you know? <laughs> if they're nice and competent, you're like extremely lucky. Yeah. But they're never going to be like that mentor in college that really poured into you because they don't care. Like they're busy. They, they got their own their own 80 hours worth of work they're trying to cram into 50 so they can go home and spend time with their family. 
You know, and so it's like, and you find yourself not just even on the non-fun projects or the more crappy projects. You're doing the crappy part of the crappy projects. You know, so it's it's like, man, this, you just all of a sudden you're like, this is not what I thought I was going to do when I graduated from college. I thought I would come out and just immediately just kill it. Yeah. And have this awesome job. And that's why I spent these four years in college and all this money. And I mean, I all those all-nighters that I pulled, come on, doesn't that mean I get a really cool job? And instead, you're like stuck with actually a kind of crappy job. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's the thing where every college student I know comes out thinking that they're going to land this like killer cool job that they can brag about on Facebook. And instead all of them end up with just a normal job, like all the rest of us have. Mm -hmm. And that like coming to terms with that reality that like not everybody gets to be Mark Zuckerberg and go start Facebook after college or even during college is the, the part that nobody talks about. Right. Um, And so that's basically what I talked about with them is just like, how do you, deal with that transition and not that your dream job isn't possible, but it, you might not come right out of the gate. And in my case, be directing Hollywood movies. Yeah. You have to work your way to that opportunity. You know, you, you know, you might not come right out of the gate and, you know, be head of an agency or CEO of a company or vice president of, you know, customer experience or whatever, whatever thing you want to do. Right. You know, you might not be the head of, so, you know, you might, if you want to be a doctor, you might have to go work in some rural hospital that you don't want to work at before you get the cool job in Atlanta that you want right. to work, whatever, you yeah. know. Um, so anyways, then I gave them some tips on what I felt like were ways to make that transition easier. Mm. Um, and that's more what me and you were talking about right. afterwards. Yeah, the, I, I I was getting this example in my head. So many people, we, you know, like in Karate Kid where he does the paint strokes and all that stuff and then he gets to the karate championship and does the thing. Well, really, college is the championship. And then when you come out, you're doing the, yeah. <laughs> the paint brushes yeah, and doing exactly. all the things that you're like, Mr. Miyagi, why am I doing this? Yeah, And... Um, that was to teach us that, like, it's good to do small things. We all are not special. We all are part of this bigger machine, which is life. And we have to come in at the bottom, work our way up, be humble. And yeah. what we were kind of talking, what I pointed out was the teachers who said, you know, good, good that you talked about that. But the reality is we – all need to realize that we are always working for our dues. Doesn't matter if you've worked 50 years in the industry. Um, especially as Christians, if we are to realize that life is eternal, then there's no point in this life that we say, oh, I'm done. Yeah, I've made it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, too, just without – I mean, you even – it might have been easier even to somewhat say – I think that's always been true in what you're mm-hmm. saying, but I think it's it was – potentially uh could have you could have gotten away with it easier like in the 18th century 17th century you know if you're bach or mozart or you know leonardo leonardo da vinci yeah. uh you know those guys might have gotten to the point where they were masters because the median of painting wasn't changing right. drastically in their right. lifetime but now technology is changing so fast and our world is changing so fast that, you know, you take somebody like my parents or your parents, it's like the things that they have to know how to do now yeah. in their life uh, don't didn't exist when they were 20 years old and graduating from college. So I think 
it's even more important that we constantly regularly bring ourselves back to these elements and we never let ourselves kind of have the ego of a senior graduating from college. Right. If we ever get into that mindset of the senior graduating from college thinking that they're awesome and above all this is the moment that like your career is over. Right. You know, and, and not over maybe, but it's it's going to be the moment where you're going to take a huge hit and it's going to take a while to build back up because yeah. it's just, that's a really dangerous place to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's not just that our parents grew up telling us that we were special, but America especially has this individualistic pride. You know, the the, the heroes are Michael Jordan, not the Bulls. Um, Batman, not Justice League. You know, I yeah. mean, there is Justice League, but every single person within the Justice League is unique and different. And, yeah. Um, so this idea of, of working together and the communal aspect of life isn't taught right off the bat. And so when we, but that's how life is. Life is the communal aspect. Life is the, um, you and I building a business together. Um, you took the lead, you were in it first, but I think it's not going to be our intern coming in and saying, I built this company. Right. <laughs> it's me. It's like, well, no, there were people before you and you're joining us in this process. Yeah. And um, I think that doesn't, which is ironic because that's kind of what college is, right? It's, it's students together. I mean, there is a grade system. I think that's where it's kind of the hard part is it is based off of your grade, but then you have group projects. I don't know. Yeah. If do I mean, I think, um, I think it's still, I think in America we celebrate um, we celebrate the we celebrate success yeah and we celebrate like the overnight success yeah Um, you know I mean like Mark Zuckerberg like Bill Gates like Steve Jobs you know you look at these people and you're like oh man those are the people we want to be you yeah. know Um, uh, even something like Michael Jordan it's like it, now it's become more of a common thing for people to talk about but a lot of times when he was playing and I was a kid wearing the hat with his number on it like nobody talked about how like how he uh didn't get into his high school basketball right. team and how yeah. he kept trying and he worked hard and he failed and he got better and he got better and he never gave up and it's that kind of stuff where it's like you know even what we do as storytellers the idea of like the hero's journey there is an element to where we're encouraging the idea that you go on a journey and you return from that journey or you finish that journey a changed person now capable of accomplishing anything. Yeah. You become the hero. Yeah. Um, and so the idea of going and spending four years off in college and then coming out this better, awesome, stronger, more capable person who can do anything and everybody should respect that and admire that and see that in you. That's kind of what we teach in Hollywood. Oh, yeah. Um, and unfortunately, it's like one of the most untrue statements yeah. you could make about the human experience. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that's something that we have to be mindful of well, as storytellers is that although we're creating fantasy and yeah. fiction, we also need to remind people of like reality. Yeah. And, and, it, and it may have been true in my parents age where not as many people were going to college or um, college was very different. You know, it's evolved. Like everything has evolved. Our school system was based on a on the manufacturing kind of 
mindset where now like manufacturing jobs are being replaced by robots. And so um, our jobs where we create stuff is becoming more popular or, um, you know, the kind of computer industry, the analyst for that, like it is just so evolved, changed so much. My parents went from the war, World War Two, to the most advanced, like they, they have lived in the most advanced time in human history. More advances have happened in their lifespan than any time in all of history. Yeah. And so uh, to adapt to that, to realize that within college, you know, all these kids going into it because their parents are like, college is important, college is important because if you get college, you get a better job, you get a better job, then you get higher success and all that stuff. Where that's not happening now because everything's changed People who are older are staying in the workplace longer. So these kids who come out with tons of debt, (laughs) tons of debt, the everyone's saying you 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 cross this finish line of college, you're in, yeah, you got it. But the reality is, they come out, there's no jobs waiting for them. They have to start at the bottom, yeah, and they're in debt. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and I I mean, and that's where I think. um, Although I do agree that I think when there was less people coming out. Like when your parents were there, even when my parents were going through college, it definitely helped you. Yeah. Like you probably had a job. Oh, absolutely. You know, you had job offerings Guaranteed. a lot more than you do now um, just because there wasn't as many college-educated people and everybody wanted a college-educated person. Yeah. But um, I still think that you still worked your way up from the bottom. Absolutely. And it's that part that probably our parents and like my parents and your parents have a bit of an age gap, but that group, that age from your parents to my parents probably still had a more healthy perspective on the fact that like, okay, cool. This gets me into IBM, yeah. but I'm still starting out in an opening job or yeah. the, or the entry level job. And I got to work my way up to vice president right. or president or whatever I want, you know? Um, and I feel like now we graduate thinking the CEO should hire me <laughs> to be his protege. So yeah. that way I can run this place in five years, Yeah, you know? And it's like that, like absurd thought is like so common and now that most people will be like oh that's not me but you have some version of that that's you you know i mean i went and pitched to billionaires movie ideas yeah. when i was 22 <laughs> i didn't even know how to i didn't know how to make a movie yeah. i thought i did yeah. you know and it was just like that was just like the the just absurdity of my <laughs> uh <Youth>. overconfidence <laughs> yeah. and arrogance you know that i thought like wholeheartedly in the most like innocent, purest, naive way yeah. that anybody, anybody who has any brains should give me money to go make a multi-million dollar movie yeah. because I know how to make movies, you yeah. know? And it was like, no, I don't, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I still don't know how to do that, yeah. you know? Um, and I've been at it for a long time, yeah. you know, all I've learned in learning, I've learned how much more I don't know. I learned one thing and realize I don't know 10 other things, yeah. you know? Um, and so, anyways, so we can we can go through some of it, and of course we've talked about this before with other people, mm-hmm. um, and so I love obviously to hear your thoughts, um, but I think this is like you said, good information for anyone at any stage. Yeah. Um, the moment that you think that you're beyond needing this advice or these these tenets is the moment that you're need to do some self-reflection yeah. and realize need a refreshment yeah. yeah um 
But especially if you are graduating or have recently graduated or starting a new career or whatever, I think these are good things to constantly keep in mind. And the things that I wished somebody had told me. Yeah. And I wish that the people that come work for us, whether as PAs or, you know, in the office, um, these are the things I wish I could tell them and they would actually listen to it. Yeah. Because I'm like, this is like the danger head, you know, like, hey, I've been down that path before and I want you to know. You know, that like spikes shoot up at this part of the trail (laughs) and fire breeze out over here. So make sure you watch out for that. Oh, and then there's a big river. Don't swim in it, though, because there's alligators in there. Go down a little ways and there's a bridge and take the bridge. You know, it's like there's like hazards ahead. Let me warn you of them so that you can avoid them. Not not in any pretentious sort of way, but purely because I'm like, if I can help other people not go through the same thing I did, then I can feel a little bit better about the fact that I – you know, had the spikes jab into my body. I got burned by the fire. The alligators chewed on me mm-hmm. for a few weeks. You know, like I can kind of help people avoid the things yeah. that I did. Yeah, and I think people who don't listen to this, life will find a way to beat that into you Yeah, as it did to us, you yeah. know, um, and especially in this day and age of YouTube and social media and stuff. It's amazing how much things go to your head when you get 20 likes on a photo. Yeah. Like, you feel like you are the most popular person in the world. And that's the kind of downfall. Um, We are both millennials, as they would call them. And uh, we have this unique perspective where we knew life before the Internet. We knew life before uh, the endorphins of, of hitting likes. But we also have lived in the techno, uh, you know, technological advances. So we know more than our parents, but we also know more than the generation Pass us. So we are living in these two worlds that my parents don't know anything about what today's culture is happening. They have no clue. Um, but I also know, like I was talking to Lewis and I was talking to him about the Lawrence Welk show or Fred Astaire. He didn't know any of those. Yeah. He didn't know who Fred Astaire was. <laughs> so, you know, and so it's, it's, yeah, I mean, Lawrence Welk. I mean, come on. Classics. <laughs> so I remember, I remember watching that every Saturday with my grandparents when we'd visit. Lawrence Welk shows on, guys. I know. When the tap dancing guy on, uh, I would yeah. get my church shoes and I'd tap dance oh, on. Nice. Oh, yeah, I loved it. I loved the Lawrence Welk show. Yeah. Um, but so, you know, in this day and age, it's going to be harder to hear these uh, core principles or to understand it because it's like, I'm doing good. Yeah. I, I got a Facebook following. It's easier. There was a statistic that came out that one in four people, younger generation, thinks that they'll be famous by the age of 15. Wow. That's crazy. That's crazy. I was so. just hoping to have, like, my first girlfriend by the age of 15. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. Or really just to get a girl to say that she liked me verbally out right. loud. Right. <laughs> or just in look my at presence. me. <laughs> they acknowledge me. Yeah. <laughs> the biggest thing. So. Probably a girlfriend would have made me too nervous. I wouldn't have been able to handle that. But. Yeah. 15, I think I was like, oh, man, I want Xbox. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's like. Exactly. All right. So let's go over these. Uh, so um, I kind of broke it down in the um, – and this is going to be a little bit different than some of our podcasts just because this is more scripted yeah. since I actually had a speech written. But um, – but I broke them down into lies that we tell ourselves mm-hmm. and lies that the world has told us. Yeah. Um, and so I started with the lies that we tell ourselves. Um, and so I think the first one is that um, whether people realize it or not, when they've gone through college or their whatever, when they're entering the workforce, the years leading up to that have allowed them to 
become overconfident. Slowly over time, they become more and more and more confident in themselves. And part of that is good. Like part of that is you should be confident as you graduate. You should believe in yourself. But then it's like you stay in that like confident building, you know, tank a little too long and you overcook your confidence to the point that for a lot of them, I'd say that they even become arrogant. Yeah. Um, and so my, have, have the confidence to get back up, not the confidence that you can never be. Yeah. Or go, have the confidence to go knock in the door, right. but don't have the confidence to barge in and sit down in the chair <laughs> without being invited. <laughs> you know, it's like you sit down at dinner and you're like, where's my food? You know, as opposed to be like, have the confidence to like yeah. ask to knock on the door, to get to know people, to, yeah. to, you know, have the confidence to walk, to walk into the room, but don't have the confidence to come in and own the room. Right. Um, uh, and so that was a big one is just being humble. Yeah. Um, and I think, um, uh, that kind of led into, um, kind of my next one, which was, um, respecting those that are already there Mm -hmm. and I've already been in the trenches. Um, I see this on a regular basis with some of the, the people that I've either mentored or, or gone, had coffee with, or people that have even worked here as interns, you know, where there's a 22-year-old or 21, 20, 19, 18-year-old intern that's coming in and telling me what I should do with my business. <laughs> um, I have been there. We've had yeah, many Yeah, <laughs> and, and you've been there as I like very kindly try to respond to them. And then after they leave, I'm like, what in the world is wrong with that person? Uh, and so I'd say that is like one of the biggest things that you see yeah. um, with recent college grads um, or people still in college is that, you know, and I, I put it in there. I was like, you guys get the freedom of sitting around all day talking to your professors about theory. Yeah. But the rest of us are actually practically trying to solve the world's problems. Yeah. You're sitting around talking about the theories of the world's problems and what you would do about them. But we're actually practically trying to do them. And so when you come in and say, well, you should do this, you should do that, you should do this, realize that we've probably tried all those things already. And we've learned the hard way what works and what doesn't work. And the hard way for us might mean people lost their jobs. We lost our customer base. We lost market share. We maybe had to sell the company. Mm -hmm. We might have had to start all over from scratch. We might have had to – we might have lost like – the support and faith of our customers, you know, I mean, that's for, purely from a business standpoint, but you know, that applies to everything, you know, it's like, yeah, I might've, you, somebody might've tried that idea and gotten fired because it didn't work and their boss was upset about it, you know? Yeah. Um, or they might've said, I'm going to try to live this sort of lifestyle. And then they realized that they went into a ton of debt and ended up having to sell everything they own and move back in with their parents. And it was super embarrassing, yeah. you know? And so it's like, there's all these things where you're like, some of these ideas that you have, might not actually work. Um, And the idea, the arrogance, to be honest, the arrogance of walking in, not knowing what it's actually like to be in the trenches and telling the people in the trenches what they should be doing is absurd. (laughs) Um, And like, even if you have those ideas, even if they're they're actually good ideas, um, you have to wait and do your, pay your dues and be in the trenches long enough to where you earn the right to share them. Right. You know, you just can't come in and immediately start acting like you uh, you know it all. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and I think um one thing you were talking about how people theorize about changing the world and then we are actively changing the world. I think 
one part of maturity that I've realized growing older is that our world, we will never be able to change the world. Our job is as people on a local level is the people around us, is the community around us, is the town. Um, when you're young and idealistic, you want to go to the big city, you want to be in the, you want to be the Hollywood lifestyle because the movies that you don't watch, you know, Smallville, Superman isn't in Smallville forever. The whole point is it's leading him to go to Metropolis and to be Superman to save the world. But the beauty is we have much more impact when we are more focused on those in our radius, in our daily life. Um, and with the internet, the younger generation more and more than ever feels like they have more of a connection with the outside world, especially if I can get famous. If I can get famous, I can do something. Um, but most of the young people who are famous, it's nonsense. Doesn't More people are famous for just being famous yeah. than anything, than any other generation, I was saying. Um, and so realizing that when you come in, you are working alongside your community, um, starting at the bottom, which is good. Now, this is where I point out to older people who would look at the younger generation and say, you need to pay your dues. Well, be willing to listen as well. Um, now, you're not – I think that's where it has to be two-way street is that the younger generation can't be like, what I'm going to say is right, and it's going to change this business forever. You may think that because you're coming from – a background where you did a project yeah. that they're like agencies would hire you for this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, well, you're never going to do whatever. Yeah, exactly. Do. You make a, you know, you do a class project, but your model only includes two variables <laughs> when right. real life includes a thousand, right. and, you know, and people are like, yeah, that's not going to work. Yeah. Remember how your parents said you're unique and special? Well, there are billions of unique and special people who have very unique and special ideas about what you do yeah. and they're not going to like it because you're making it for them. Yeah. Well, I can remember an example for us. We had a an intern or kind of an intern guy that we were helping out allowing him to edit at our, our studio and because we had gear and stuff and he came in and he was really into drone stuff and he was telling us how we needed to go and do more drone stuff and that and he, he told me for like 30 minutes to an hour about how good this drone business was of doing retail or, or uh, filming houses for yeah. um, selling houses for realtors and doing drone stuff. And he's like, you can go and make like a hundred dollars <laughs> off of filming somebody for drones. And I was like, yeah, but then you're going to like edit, you're going to shoot the video for an hour. You're going to talk to the client for about an hour. You're going to edit the video for probably an hour. Yeah. So for about three hours, you're going to make 30, you know, for three hours of work, you can make a hundred bucks, $33 and 33 cents. And I'm like, dude, we can make $150 working with these other clients per hour. You can't make enough money to yeah. pay for a business off of $33.33. Maybe if you're working out of your house, you can. But we work out of a studio and an office. Like, that's not going to work. And he kept trying to tell me how I was wrong, that the math it was there, and that what we should do is stop doing all this other stuff and just do drone stuff. And I kept being like, there is no way that we can pay for everything. I know because I'm the one paying yeah, for it. Yeah. Off of that kind of money, yeah. you know, um, and I'm not saying it's not a good business model for somebody, but it wasn't a good business model for us. And he just could not get into his head. Yeah. Um, and it's that kind of stuff where people come in and are like, this is what you need to do. Yeah. Well, and he even I, I think he's the same person that 
looked at our stuff and was like, do you need this much stuff? And this is when we were trying to work with big commercials. And by all accounts, by now, that was not even a lot of stuff. Yes. Yeah, we have way more stuff we now. We have way more stuff now. And it's become extremely useful. And so it was funny because for someone who was so young and had such a, this is how you kind of change the world mentality, his scope was very small. Yep. And so um, I think that's understanding and realizing that there are going to be you were open to listening but you also had the foresight and the knowledge that that was not a good idea because you were coming from a more experienced background yeah now i think a lot of people could easily just be like no i'm not gonna meet with you you have no say here what are you talking about which is fine but i think to be valued there are there is that sense of people want to be valued people need to have a break because every person does come with a different understanding and you as the older person um, should have the knowledge to suss it out whether it's good information or bad i think that's okay i think listening to a younger generation listening to people who are coming fresh from college and saying all right you're walking alongside us and leading by example for those people. So, um, yeah, they're going to sweep the hallways. They're going to do the small stuff, but they're also going to see that we clean our desk, you know, that we, we take care of what, yeah. what you know, we, we walk the walk, we talk the talk. So I think it's a two-way street there. Um, but, yes, going back, yeah, it's being I... humble in a different way. For young people, it's realizing the world doesn't revolve around you. For older people who have gone through it, have have done the grunt work, it evolves into I letting them walk alongside us. We're gonna walk alongside them, and we're gonna mentor them. We're gonna help help them grow. You know, the kid can be humble, but I think the leader also has to be humble for it to be a successful partnership. Yeah, for sure. And um, uh, I would, and obviously, I mean. There's always going to be bad bosses, right? Right. I mean, and, and to be honest, no podcast is ever going to fix them. Nope. Um, that's just who they are, and that's <laughs> they're going to be bad bosses. Yep. Um, bad employees too. Yeah, exactly. So the people who are bad out there, good luck. Good luck. Life is going to be hard for you. <laughs> yeah, that's that's where we go back to the humility. Part, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but um, and you know, it's going to take more drastic change yeah. and just listen to a few tips for them to get better. Um, but I would still err on the side, and I say this as somebody who had a lot of ideas, um, nine out of 10, not 9.9 out of 10 times, your idea is horrible. Right. And you should keep it to yourself. Yeah. Um, and, it's, and it's not that, um, it's just that I think a lot of people will just walk into a situation when they're younger and they immediately start spouting off everything that's in right. their minds without realizing whether or not that information has context, whether that information has already been said or has already been tried, whether that information already or those ideas have already, um, you know, um, even if they're like saying it and presenting it in the right way, yeah. it might be a good idea, but you're using the wrong words or you're using the wrong concept or the wrong model for sharing that information. Um, so I just think there is immense amount of value to keeping your mouth shut, spending six months to a year, figuring out what it is that you're in and then actually sharing yeah. yeah and i agree with you i think for me it's more of the humility when i talk about letting them say their ideas letting young people say their ideas it's teaching them that 
they will survive if all their ideas are shot down. They will survive if what they say is wrong and they will learn for that. Like a child touching a flame. They're not going to touch that flame again. And creating a space where their ideas are heard. But um, that also puts them in a humble place because then six months from now they can look back and go, yeah, that was a dumb idea. Yeah, I mean, and and there's obviously two ways to do this. They can learn it the hard way, which is what you're saying. And I'm saying don't learn it the hard way. Learn it on your own. Yeah. Choose to be humble from the beginning and then realize, oh, that idea I had, they did that already. Yeah. Oh, that I think I was going to suggest, they've already done that. Or or that's a bad idea for this. Or yeah. that would never work because of this and this. Yeah. Uh, and I think when I think about this in relation to being humble and, you know, paying, paying respect to the people who are in the trenches, um, it applies when you're talking about older people. I think it's more that it applies throughout your whole life, that whenever yeah. you're starting a new job, whenever you um, have when, a kid. Yeah, whenever you're joining mm-hmm. a yeah. new thing, yeah. whenever you're starting something new, you know, like, you know, learning to to um, hold your tongue and listen first. Yeah. You know, listen instead of talking. You know, I think that's the biggest thing is like we are so eager in our culture to immediately tell other people what to do um, before we just stop and actually listen. Yeah. Um, And you can learn so much by just sitting there and listening before you start talking. Yeah. And right now it's like I'm going to talk and make other people listen. Yeah. Um, And just from a purely like respect, which is something that in our culture we've kind of lost, I think, in general, too. Although I know you say, well, we need to respect the youth, and we should by being good bosses and encouraging and mentoring. And the boss who's too busy to actually say something nice to their employee should try to find the time to say something nice to their employee and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I think when you're the person joining, and you could be 40 years old and joining, or you could be 22 and joining, uh, you got to respect the people who have already been there. Yeah, you know they've they've earned the right by being there for five years, 10 years, 20 years, one year, yeah. to for you to ask them questions, yeah. not them ask you questions. Yeah. You know, and uh, and once you've been there for a year or two, then you're going to want that respect from people that are coming after you. Yeah. You know, um, and I think that's the biggest thing is that young people just aren't, not young people, I mean, I'm young still too, you're young yeah. still, but people who are first out of college, that's the attitude they have. And, and I'm saying that I was, I was like, Patient number zero or right. patient one. Yeah. Whatever they call that patient. Patient zero. Patient zero. Yeah. yeah I was 100% patient zero for sure. 100%. Um, so all these things I'm saying is like, these are things I wish I had done. Right. You yeah. Know? Um, where I just thought that I knew so much more than everybody else. Yeah. And now looking back, I'm like, I missed out on so many good opportunities to learn from people around me because I was too arrogant and confident overconfident to think that I could learn anything yeah. from them. Yeah. Do not contribute to the white noise of the world. Yeah. Learn to listen, yeah. learn to grow, and uh, you will definitely be respected because usually a person who's quiet and doesn't say something dumb is the person that people are like, wow, I really like that guy. Yeah. He's really attentive. And I think if you do have ideas that you're, you know, if you have stuff that after you, as you've been there and, you know, whether it's a month or a year or six months or whatever, I think it's then positioning it more in the way of questions. Yeah. Hey, have we ever tried doing – hey, have you guys ever thought about doing drone work? Yeah. 
I think that's where I was trying to come from was that kind of allowing them to ask questions because I've been in places where it's like anything, even asking questions like this young person's so dumb, they don't even know the right questions to ask. Yeah. And it's like, well, let them, they, how do you learn the right questions? Yeah. And I mean, (laughs) mean, you can listen and and involve, but like at the same time, like. And so, um, in that situation, uh, I would say, I mean, personally, I would still say it's not worth it then. Yeah. Because those people don't care. Yeah, exactly. Like if they don't, if, if they don't, if they're not the kind of leaders and the kind of company that is going to care about all their employees, including you who just joined, um, then you getting up and telling them what they should do is just going to make things worse. Yeah. Yeah. You should never tell someone what to do if they are in a position of, um, Authority, you know, yeah, like Jon Snow is a good example <laughs> of we're watching some of the old, you know, episodes and uh, the guy at, at Castle Black, you know, he was so annoying. He just hated Jon so much. And Jon knew a lot, but that's where Sam was like, hey, you need to shut your mouth and it's yeah. okay that you're not a ranger. You'll be the, the, the mace's right hand, you know, like yeah. it'll be okay. You'll learn. He's grooming you to be a commander. Yeah. Eventually, it all worked out, but it's just yeah. That's... Well, but he got stabbed, so I wouldn't say it worked out. <laughs> well, he was Lord Commander at that point, and then yeah, yes, he got he stabbed because his underlings. Once again, the little kid didn't listen. Yeah, but it was also. I mean, the little kid was a part of it, but it was also yeah. led by a lot of those guys who are annoyed by the way that he rose through the ranks. Yeah, and I think that's the other component of this is like even if you do have really good ideas, you got to present it in the right way. Yeah. To where you don't piss everybody off, basically. <laughs> um, and that's really what a lot of that being humble and respecting people comes down yeah. to is you want you want to come into it as a person that people are glad that they're there. Yeah. Um, versus, oh, here's this kid with all these stupid ideas. Yeah. Um, so, so moving on from humble. What, yeah, what and so that's kind of going into what yeah. you were just talking about. If you are in that crappy job with that crappy boss, which is probably what is going to happen. Yeah. Usually first job, second job, third job. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> yeah, because you're just trying to get anything, mm-hmm. and you don't graduate from college with all these opportunities to work somewhere. And even if you do work at IBM, I have a lot of friends that work for big, huge national brands yeah. that are not places that I would ever want to work based off of their stories. Right. Um, but um, if you are in that situation, that's what all the rest of us call paying your dues. <laughs> and everybody yeah. has to pay their dues. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people – graduate and think, well, I am so special or I have done so well or, yeah, that's everybody else has to pay their dues, but not me. I'm a star student. I am I did these on-campus jobs or I did this student leadership thing or I was just GA president or I won this award, you know, and so then they feel like they're above paying the dues. So they get to bypass paying the dues. And unfortunately, everybody pays the dues. Right. Nobody doesn't have to pay the dues. Yeah. Um, so if you're in that really horrible job, that's what I would call your time of paying the dues. Yeah. Well, and, and I think it's important to remember because I know a lot of people who have graduated and they don't come out acting like, oh, the world's around me. They do come out like jaded and like they almost seem like a 20-year vet at like a horrible job because college sucks. And they come out jaded. They have no money. They have negative money. They have less money than most homeless people, but they just have better opportunities and stuff like that. But um, so a lot of people could be listening to this being annoyed because they're like, I did not come out thinking this. 
but there's still that sense of I did my time four years yeah. of college, and it's like that's the reality is college is a bubble. It doesn't yeah. matter. Like that was your choice to go there, your parents, whoever, but you did it. You stayed there. Yeah. You went through it, and it is a bubble. It doesn't matter how jaded you are. It doesn't matter how like hard college was or what you did. The real world does not care about your grades, does not care about really – I mean, there's some schools that might – I mean, some places that might care about the school you come from. But the reality is if you have a good attitude <laughs> and you're willing to work and you're willing to work at the bottom, yeah, like that is the best thing you can absolutely do. Yeah, I think that's really the biggest thing. And that's actually when I was setting up the story talking about here's here's how it looks. You go to college and then you graduate at the end, I said the big thing is no one cares. Right. And that's the biggest thing. No one cares that you spent a bunch of money and went into debt so you could train yourself for four years. Nobody cares about your accomplishments in college. Nobody cares that you were the A-plus student in your major. Nobody cares that you double majored or triple majored or, yep. that, you were, or that you were lambda sigma or summa cum laude or any of that stuff. Yeah. Nobody cares. <laughs> um, and, and it's not that college wasn't helpful or that it didn't do something for you. But it, I told him, I was like, you feeling confident either because you're like, man, that was hard and I made it through it or man, that was awesome. And now I feel great about myself. Whatever end of the spectrum you're on, you kind of internally bragging about it to yourself is the same as if a high school or a freshman in college bragged about graduating from high school. <laughs> Everybody in college would look to that person and be like, well, duh. Yeah. That's what we all did yeah. to get into college because you have to graduate from high school yeah. to go to college. Yeah. So kind of for all the rest of us in the work world, we're like, cool. So did we. Yeah. We did all that stuff. Yeah. We all did. Welcome to the club. Yeah. You're in the club of people who did that. Yeah. And so now what are you going to do? And I think that's the part where it's like, for me, this was like probably one of the hardest ones was I remember I graduated from college. And I was working at a production company, and I was a PA. And my job was to, like, unload the trucks and help the, the gaffers and the grips unload the trucks. But I wasn't doing it the way that they wanted to. So they weren't even letting me help unload trucks. So then at that point, I'm just, like, randomly walking around trying to find stuff. And, I, you know, and I'm trying to unravel cable. And then some gaffer key grip would pull up, get, you know, take it out of my hands and they would do it. And, oh, don't worry, I'll just get this, you know. And and it was like, I was like, I went to four years of college, was SGA president, won an award at the Cannes Film Festival. And they won't even, like, I can't even do the cables, yeah. you know. And I'm like, this grunt work sucks, yeah. you know. It's like they, they won't even let me do anything, you yeah. know. Um, and the stuff that they will do, I don't even enjoy doing, yeah. you know. Um, and it was it was that attitude that now when I look back on it, I'm like, what in the world was I thinking? Of course that's what I'm going to have to do because yeah. that's what everybody has to do when you first join the film industry. Yeah. You all start out as the PA who doesn't know what you're doing. Yeah. And then eventually you become the PA who kind of knows what you're doing and then the <laughs> PA who knows what you're doing. Yeah. And then you become the PA that people actually let help in their departments yeah. because they've gotten to know you and they know that you know how to do it right. And then eventually you get to be a PA in their department, you know, and it's yeah. like you're a PA for a long time just yeah. trying to get your way in, you know, paying your dues, doing your yeah. thing. And then you're the just an electrician or just a grip or just a guy in the camera department, you know, and then you slowly work your way up and up, and you know. Yeah. And it was that part that um, I walked away from so many good opportunities because I didn't realize that that's what I had to do. Right. You know, yeah. Um 
there was other jobs where I had where like one of them I was like one of the things I part of what I had to do was mop the floor. Yeah. And I was just every time I mopped the floor, I got so depressed oh, wow. because I was like, I was the SGA president of my college. <laughs> you know, I was like, I of like of anybody that should not be out here mopping floors. It should be me. Right. You know, and here I am mopping the floor and like that level of, you know, once again, arrogance pride. and yeah. pride yeah. and and being like, I am past paying my dues because I already did this as a, as a college student. Yeah. When it's like. If I didn't mop the floors, my boss would have had to mop the floors. Yeah. And he was like a almost a 40-year-old man, you know, and had been working in this industry for 20 years. Yeah. So why should he mop the floors <laughs> when I'm not willing to mop, mop yeah. the floors, you know? And so it's it's stuff like that that I think people just forget, you yeah. know? And to this day, I still regularly mop floors yeah. at our company yeah. as the owner of the company. Yeah. Um, and so it's, you know, it's re- realizing that, you always have to pay your dues. Yeah. And if you have always, yeah. If you have that crappy job, it's because you haven't paid enough dues to get the chance to apply for the better job. Yeah. And instead of being like, well, I'm going to just quit and I'm just going to go try to find a better job. It's like, well, I mean, go ahead and try to find other start better, over. Yeah, yeah, go ahead and try to find other better jobs, for sure. I mean, always try to be pushing yourself to the next level. But if you're not getting the opportunity to move to the next level, it means you haven't paid enough dues at this level. Right. You know, and the sooner you like pay those dues, yeah, and the faster you do it, and the better attitude you have with it, and the more that you put yourself into it, and like grow where you're planted, the faster that you're going to move on to the next level. Right. I uh, did any of those guys that like took the cords away from you stuff? Did anyone show you how to do it right? Because um, that's where I would say to them, I mean, they should have. I, we... I think some of them might have. I mean, but here's the thing, though, because we've now been those people. Right. It, when you're – I mean, we have, the, once again, this idealistic nature that as when we join in, well, these people should invest in me. These right. people should help me. These people yeah. should teach me. These people – but we forget that, like, like everything is so much tighter now. Right. You know, like like I was, I, I was uh, at a chamber meeting, and they were talking about the fact that, like, banks across America – have like laid off 25% of their staff since the recession. So due to the recession, it's like what used to be 100 people is now 50 people. So now everybody's doing two jobs. You know, we have less money to work with. Everybody's getting paid less. Like across the whole American industry, the – say what? I say except for the 1%. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, if only we could be in that 1%. Uh, But nonetheless, it's like so those – you know, if it was if I was trying to unravel a cable for the gaffer yeah. and the gaffer's used to having three people helping him and on that shoot he only had one, he is too busy to stop and teach me how to unravel right. cable. Yeah. When it's a ten hour day, they have to get finished or they go into overtime. He's gonna get yelled at people if he doesn't get it up and get the lights set up quickly enough. And so it's like, yeah, I would love for him to teach me. And he would probably love to teach me. <laughs> yeah. But nobody's paying him to teach me. Yeah, yeah. They're paying him to do his job and get yeah. it done as quickly as possible. And the quickest way to do it is to do it himself. Right. And unfortunately, like, in the short run, that's always the case. Right. In the long run, it's always better to teach somebody how to do something. But in yeah. the short run, it's way faster to do it yourself and just get it done quickly. Yeah. Unless you're on set and there's people who know how to move the lights and stuff and you need to communicate yeah because there are directors that are like oh, i'll just move in it's like no <laughs> yeah right we are here which we they could clearly see i didn't yeah, know yeah. what i was doing yeah. um so i think that you know um once again it's like people just have to realize like 
part of paying your dues is being the person who constantly gets overlooked yeah. and being the person who gets stuff taken out of their hands and the person who gets projects taken away so somebody else can do it. You know, and it's like, and you just slowly have to learn yeah. from that process what you have to do. And it sucks. Yeah. Like, it really sucks. Like, this whole process across yeah. the board is not fun. Yeah. Uh, but the sooner you go through it, the sooner you're the person who knows, and then maybe you can find a way yeah. to teach the person how to well, do it. Well, and your expectations, having the expectations and knowing, like, your place and knowing yeah. what it's, it's going to be a little easier to – I mean, no matter what, it's you're paying your dues. It's hard. You're going up, but um, it's easier. It's anything is easier once you have set your mind and you go, "This is gonna be really hard," and you go and do it. And like, oh, I survived yeah. that. I yeah. can do the next thing. Yeah, yeah. If I if I could go back in time and tell myself, and here I'm talking to my future self, and so I'll, hopefully I would trust myself. Um, and <laughs> never say, trust any. Never trust not even, even yourself. yourself. Uh, but, and I could say, hey, just so you know, this is what's going to happen on the shoot yeah. that you're about ready to go on tomorrow. Yep. Don't let it bother you. It happens to everybody. This is just part of the process. Learn as much as you can. If somebody takes something out of your hands, watch how they do it. Mm-hmm. So the next time you can do it that way. And you're going to kind of feel useless on the shoot and you're going to kind of feel, you know, a little deflated. You know, your ego is going to get bruised a little bit. But hey, that's just that's just part of it. And like, you know, you do this for you know, two, three months worth of shoots. And by month four, you're going to now know what to do and you'll be able to handle things better. Um, You know, I think I would have handled it better if I had known that, you know. And I think in this situation, like you're saying, knowledge is power just so you can know what to expect. Right. Yeah, and also realize, I mean, I've been doing this for seven years now, eight years, and – Realizing that even now people still – it all comes down to whether or not they know you and connections. And yeah. there are, there's always going to be clicks or there's going to be a community. And if you are an outside coming in – Yeah, people have to trust you. People have to trust you, but they're more than likely going to think that you're not experienced because yeah. they've never seen you. They don't know who you are. Yep. And that's frustrating, but realizing that you're coming into a new situation yep. – you prove yourself. Yep. You get in there. You got to pay your dues. You got to pay your dues. And, and even, you know, as you jump from levels to levels, it's like, um, you know, whatever it is that you're doing, you know, if for our situation, if, if we jump from when we made the jump from doing more like promo videos to doing more commercial type work, we all then had to pay our dues at that level. Right. Not a single one of us didn't have to do that. Um, and so, you know, that's just, I think once again, how can you relate this to your whole life? If you're a 40 year old, you know, a uh, 40-year-old middle management person in corporate America, and then all of a sudden you get the chance to jump up to a VP level position. You now have to pay your dues at the VP level. Yeah. You know, it's none of this stuff comes easy to us. We always have to pay our dues at every single level. Yeah. Well, and that's always the joke is with older people learning new technology, it's always a younger person showing them. And it's really funny because older people love to talk about how young people are so entitled and stuff like that. But whenever I've been on a shoot and an older person has to read the teleprompter or they get way more upset, way quicker, yeah. <laughs> much more quick, you yeah. know, and it's frustrating, but 
they have to pay. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, talking about technology is a great example. I mean, my mom and dad would always get annoyed that they didn't know how to use computers, as yeah. they would say, just computers. <laughs> uh, and um, they would always be like, oh, you guys learn this stuff so easily. It comes so much more naturally to you. But that wasn't true. I spent a ton of time on the computer. Growing up with it, yeah. Yeah, you know, like when they were busy with their jobs or, you know, managing their house, you know, household, like, I was hanging out on the computer all day. Oh, yeah. You know, and when something would break on the computer and, you know, a friend of ours would come over to fix it, I would sit there with them and watch what they did to fix it. Yeah. You know, so I paid my dues on learning how computers work. Yeah. Now, granted, I did that because I was a kid and I had a lot of free time, but I still paid the dues. But you could have been off playing. You could have been doing. But the fact of the matter is you were involved. You spent time. Yeah. And older people, they can do that. They can play video game, you know, yeah. find a way to make learning something fun. Yeah. And so let's let's go back. So now what so far we have, we've had humility. Yeah, so be humble. Be humble. Respect those who are already in the trenches and learn from them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then be proactive and paying your dues. Uh-huh. Uh, do the grunt work with a smile and a good attitude so you can earn the right to have your dream job. And I think that's the big part. It's like right. we all want that dream job. And that's actually kind of the next one, which is moving more into the lies that the world has told us. Um, something I've, I experienced for sure. And I feel like a lot of other people do too. We have created this culture where if you don't have overnight instant success, you're a failure. Right. <laughs> uh, and that is just not true. Yeah. Like nobody, and I repeat myself, nobody no has way. instant success. There is no such thing as overnight success. Yeah. Um, and, and both of these two things, paying your dues and this topic, it goes back to stuff that we've already talked about on the podcast, even in our own struggles with doing, the kind of work that we want to do is that we feel like we should be instantly successful. We should be instantly good at these things. And when we're not, then we get depressed and stop doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just like that could not be farther from the truth. Yeah. Um, you know, one of my favorite stories is from the band uh, fun um, when their song uh, we are young uh, was coming out and hitting like killing it on the charts they were on a radio show doing an interview and the DJ asked them like, how do you feel about your overnight success? And um, their response was just like perfect to me. They said, if you call 10 years of hard work overnight success, then I guess it feels pretty good. <laughs> you know? And it's just, to me, I was like, yes, yes. that is so yeah. true. You know, it's like those guys went on these on ton, like, and we have friends who tour oh, yeah. with their band and like touring, there's nothing beautiful to me yeah. about touring. Well, and it's usually they don't make any money from them. Yeah. They're yeah. broke. They're yeah. poor. They're singing their hearts out. They're barely getting any sleep. Yeah. You know, whether they're sick or feeling good or miss their families, doesn't matter. You got to sing, you got to perform, you got to take it 100% every single time. Yeah. Um, and so it's like doing that for 10 years. There's There is so many bands that stop doing that after a year or two because they just can't take it. Because yeah. paying those dues just costs too much for them. Yeah. So the fact that they did that for 10 years and then finally they have a big hit, you know, it's like that was 10 years of hard work that built up to a big hit. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of another thing that I talked about with this was just that in every aspect of my life, every big success that I've ever had or big opportunity that I had that from an outside perspective, people would have looked at, wow, man, look at Ryan, lucky him. He just like got that, you know? Um, it was always built off of, it all started with a small speck of dust. Yeah. That slowly, a small opportunity that became another small opportunity that became another smaller opportunity then became medium opportunities, then medium, you know, and it just slowly, slowly grew yep. until it became a big opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, relationships or clients, you know, that became big clients down the road started out as small little 
thousand, $1,500 projects that ended up growing into these bigger things six, seven, eight years later. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, there's not a single thing that I can think of in my life that ended up becoming a huge thing for me that didn't start out with the smallest thing. Yeah. You know, even um, major relationships where I was like, oh, that I needed a crew member and so I hired them and then I developed a friendship with them. And then a year later, they were at a new job and asked me if I could help out with them for something. And then it just happened that their boss was on that project and then their boss got to know me. And then six months later, the boss gave me an opportunity and yeah. then that guy left. And so now they needed somebody to fill in, but they didn't want to hire, you know, and it's like, and it's just like all these like crazy little things that just slowly grow from something super, super small yeah. of me, you know, befriending someone and getting them to help me with something, you know? Right. Um, and so I think that's a thing that people forget about all the time. And so when you come out of college and you're 22 and you land your first job and it's that crappy job with the crappy boss who doesn't care about you and doesn't even want to have you ask questions and people are taking things out of your hands and not letting you do the project and you're like why did I go to college for this yeah I'm so depressed yeah you have to realize that like that might be something around that might be the beginning of something much bigger 10 years from now right. maybe you're going to meet somebody at that job that then remembers you two years later that offers you a better job yeah well, and realizing that in 10 years, it's not going to be more glamorous. <laughs> we think, I think that's where the flip side of um, where we talk about life. This is the sobering reality of living outside the bubble is that you will go from, you will pay your dues, you will work hard, you will be humble, you will do all these things. And in 10 years, you're not going to be driving the Lamborghini. Yeah. You're not yeah. going to be, you know, you're, you're going to have a, a car that has 334,000 miles on it. <laughs> yeah. You're pretty sure if you hit one more <laughs> pothole, it's going to blow up. <laughs> but the outside, people are going to look at you and be like, wow, he's so successful. And success is, I think, a part of our expectations and realizing um, – that we still wake up every morning, we go to work, we keep keep working. It is, as the kids like to say, the grind. It is the hard work every day. Yeah. Um, we do live in a day and age where people do want that uh, SoundCloud success or that YouTube success or Instagram success. I think we've gone from um, the lottery to um, – essentially the career lottery, which yep. is I can be a YouTuber or I can do all these things. And that's just not how life works. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll go back to the fun example. I mean, like, so they had a huge instant – or not huge instant. They finally had a breakout album. Yeah. After all that work, they finally had an album that just, man, really hit, you know. Yeah. And probably just their experience and skills finally met to the point where the quality that they put out worked. Yeah. But they still then had to go out and tour, and they still had to be away from their families, yeah. and they still had to go. And that probably their tour schedule was even more intense, oh, yeah. and even harder, and yeah. the pressure was even more um, intense. You know, like if they got a cold, they probably still had to go out and sing, yeah. whether they wanted to or not, because now they have ten thousand fans that are watching instead of a hundred. Yeah, you know, and so um, I think you're right. Is that we have this assumption too that like not only. Well, we have overnight success, but our overnight success will bring us like an overnight paradise. Yeah. And in reality, the bigger things get, the more stressful they get, the yeah. harder they get. Sure, the rewards are bigger, 
you know, all of a sudden you're singing to 10,000 fans. I'm sure that's exhilarating yeah. versus 100. Yeah. But all that other stuff comes with it. You know, you, everything you, scales up. Yeah. You can push a boulder up the hills and your muscles will get bigger, but you're still pushing a boulder up yeah. the hill and the boulder's getting bigger. Yeah. So, and we, we do think that there is a hump that we get over. Um, but the reality is we are not going to retire probably. We're not going to get to an age where we can just relax. And because life is changing, the economy's changed. Or maybe we will. I don't know. We could all be a part of the computer grid or something. Yeah, exactly. We just <laughs> but... fucking hook up to the Matrix. <laughs> Can't wait. Um, I'll be like that guy where he's like, when I hook up to the Matrix, I'd like to be somebody rich. <laughs> I'd like to have an important job and not really have to work that hard. <laughs> and I'd like to be able to eat steak every night. You know, you remember the guy I'm talking about? The one that betrays Neo? Yeah. And yeah. He, he's like, I want to be hooked up, but this is who I want to be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, he's not wrong, but um, <laughs> <laughs> just do it. So, but I think yeah, we, I think... we do have this because we live in a day and age where we can have access to celebrities and we can see that they have a huge pools or whatever you know we we see giant mansions we see how people live lavishly and it more than ever we have this grass is green on the other side but your life is really what you put into it yeah and we are trying to tell you that the reality is that it's hard it's a grind and it's yeah the community around you is so important of what you build and make yeah and some of that rich and famous and overnight success that we all want might not actually be what we want. Right. I think again of, um, you know, thinking of celebrities again, and uh, when Lady Gaga won the Oscar this year, I loved her speech because it was so honest. And she was like, I have worked my tail off. She didn't use the word tail, but I have worked. I know. Oh, Lady Gaga, how dare you? You're so modest. So uh, ladylike. <laughs> uh, but she's like, I have worked my tail off working for this. You know, anybody who says like, like that this is easy, or that anybody can do this is wrong. Right. Like I've worked tirelessly, oh, you know, day in and day out to get to this place, and like, and that makes this reward like so much sweeter. Yeah. But the point is that she works really hard all the time. Yeah. And so it's like the idea of like, oh, if I could just hit that level yeah. as an artist, then things will get easier. I would argue things get harder. Right. Yeah. Well, and it evolves. It changes. Yeah. I think. Um, no matter what, at the end of the day, a rich person does have a easier life than a poor person because they can go on vacation and they can not worry about bills and all that stuff. But um, it's different. It's a different hardship. It's different responsibility. Um, and that's just a part of the fall, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the yeah, would, cloud I, I, will sweat. You yeah, know? at the very least, it stays equally as hard. Right. Yeah, yeah and I, I think... You know, I mean, that poor person um, has things that the celebrity doesn't have. Right. You know, um, and you sacrifice things when yeah. you when you like. I I would consider myself. I'm I'm not rich by any means, so I'll I'll put myself in those shoes. You know, I have an amenity. Yeah. You know, I have. Uh, different possibilities yeah, but they you, will never have that yeah and you might not be able to go on a two-week vacation to aruba and rent out your own private island or whatever you know or your own private cabana and have all these people leaving you alone and but 
you also then have the freedom of your evenings and weekends to do whatever you want. Yeah. And I bet Lady Gaga doesn't. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, you know, I've we've gotten to film and be around a lot of CEOs of big, huge companies where they have their own private jets. Yeah. And you think, man, that would be awesome. But then I've traveled with them for a week, and they're flying to multiple states all day long yeah. away from their families, you know, working from 6 a.m. to 10 o'clock at night. Their dinners are always with clients or colleagues or people that they have to network and connect with. They don't get to just sit down and have a casual dinner watching Netflix. Yeah. You know, they're always working. Well, it's like, yeah, having a private plane and flying all over the place would be fun. But not if you have to fly around all the place to do work. (laughs) That's not fun. Yeah. No matter what, you're sitting in a plane like that. They're just sitting in a plane. And it's like if that's what you want out of your life. Well, great. If that's if that's the hard that you want. Go for it. Go for it. But there's, it's still hard. Yeah. And the idea that it's that instant success is going to make life easier right. is not true. Yeah, and these people who leave college thinking it's going to be easier. If anything, college is to show you, you know how hard it was in college. This is what the real world is. Yeah. You know, it's going to be harder. It's going to be different responsibilities. You could yeah. be really good at your job and still get fired because the economy changes. Yeah. Or um, the boss doesn't like you. Right. Or the client decides to go with somebody else. Right. Or, I mean, there's all kinds of things. Yeah. yeah. And so I think the privilege that you and I have is that we get to set the tone of the company because it is, I mean, it's your company. We get to see what this culture is going to be. And that's always what we talked about. But the downside is, is that the weight of this entire company is on your shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And you're always trading something for something else. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think is what it really comes down to. Yeah. Um, So anyways, I think that is one though, that, I mean, I think people need to remind themselves. And this was something that I really struggled with a lot. Mm -hmm. And I remember my mom even saying like, I think you're trying to go with something really big right off the bat as opposed to like starting small and growing it. And I was like, no, mom, you don't understand. Like, yeah, that works for other people, but not for me. And this idea of like, no, like for me, I need to put on more pressure. I need to be better. I need to accomplish, you know, I need to be the Bill Gates or the Steve Jobs. Um, Like you got to eliminate that pressure from you. Nobody in the world is expecting that out of you. None of the rest of us that are in the workforce expect that out of you. If you're the new person to the company, we all know that it's going to take you six months to get used to working there. We all know that you're not going to know everything. We all know that you don't like even me when with the cables, wrapping the cables or laying out the cables on the film shoot, like that gaffer knew that I didn't know anything. And he wasn't taking them out of my hands to be rude. He was taking them out of my hands because I didn't know how to do it. And he did. And he needed to do them quickly. Yeah. You know, like nobody like thought less of me. Nobody thought was like looking yeah. down on me. It was about that that project. Yeah, exactly. Not, and yeah. it's like, and they knew that it, over time I would figure it out and yeah. get and get caught up to speed, and I would be a competent, capable, you know, uh, uh, addition to their team. Yeah. You know, it's like we all know that now as the boss. Like I think of that all the time. I'm like, and so if somebody put that kind of unrealistic pressure on them, I'd be like, why are you doing that? Right. I'm not even putting that pressure on you. <laughs> right. And I'm the one that hired you. Yeah. Like relax, chill out, you yeah. know? Um, and so that's something that I would say to everybody. Like if you feel that pressure in any situation, whether you're a new parent or you're in a new marriage or you're in a new city or you're in a new job or you're new to just the, your career little workforce in general, cause you just, you're graduating in May. Like, 
just like take all that pressure away from you because yeah. the only person in this world who's expecting that out of you is you. Yeah. You're and it, and all you're doing is hurting yourself. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's where we go to the next thing. Do we talk about be kind? Yeah. Yeah. Um and so um kind of that last one is, you know, in all of that, give yourself a lot of grace yeah. and have a healthy perspective yeah. um, because you're going to, it's going to take time to figure it out. Well, and then, um, and then, like you said, the next one is um, uh, in all of that, remember to be kind to other people. Yeah. Uh, you... I, I think we, we think of changing the world. We have these big grandiosious, grandiosious ideas of, you know, doing something. We don't really even understand what we want to do, but we're like, I know something big's happening. But we don't realize that once again, this is where I'm coming back to community and to the people around you and the power of being kind to someone, of being kind to yourself is enormous because it is a world that is um, – it's hard, that we're working hard, that we continuously have to um, prove ourselves because it's not just us out here. We are competing against thousands of other people, millions of other people. And to bring joy to someone through kindness, to bring freshness and a breath of life to a weary world through your kindness is cannot be understated enough. So I think if you want to change the world, we're telling you right now, be kind because it's hard. <laughs> yeah. Well, and one of the big things I said with this one is, um, you know, that uh, a lot of times why people don't care about you and your accomplishments and what you've done and your life and what you have to offer and your ideas is because nobody cares about them. Right. And in this situation, you really have to step it up and be the bigger person and choose to care about them, even though they don't care about you. Yeah. You know, if I at lunch had really spent a lot of time talking to that gaffer, getting to know them, learning about them, being kind to them, and not out of a I help you so you help me kind of standpoint, but like genuine kindness. Yeah. I guarantee you on the next shoot, that gaffer would have taken the time to show up. Oh, me, absolutely. Even if it meant that he would get yelled at for having the light right. set up later. Yeah. Um, which he definitely would have. Yeah. So he would have paid that price for my sake because I cared about him. Um, and so I think – I think that's like the biggest thing for this. Like, A, you should do it for the sake of humanity, but you should also do it for the sake of your career. Yeah. People will help you if you're nice to them. Yeah. You know, people will help you if you care about them, you know, and being the bigger person, even if the person's 10 or 20 years older than you and saying like, I care about you, even though I know you were me 20 years ago and nobody cared about you and hasn't cared about you since. I want you to know I care about you. Yeah. You know. Well, and and also realizing that there is a flip side to that. You can be kind and people won't be kind to you. But that's not on you. Don't take that upon yourself to be like, oh, I have to be hard towards everyone else. Be kind in the face of anger, in the face of uh, meanness, you know. Yeah. Um, I think that will help you later on when you are older and you can pay back the dues to someone else. Yeah. Um, and realize that like they're gonna be coming in, and you can be an example of kindness. You yeah. know, kindness begets kindness begets kindness. Yeah. And so if we can start from the bottom like that, hopefully when we are higher up, yeah, 
we can pass that down. We can yeah. show it, create and, a culture of it. And you basically have two choices, right? You come out into the world with this idealistic, hopeful view of how it all is supposed to work. And yeah. then you find out it doesn't work like that at all. And you can either get jaded and bitter about it and be one of the people that you are complaining about. Or instead you can say, well, I'm going to choose to be kind and care about other people, yeah. even if nobody cares that I care. Yeah. And I think that that option, although immensely harder to do <laughs> because you have every they right yeah. to be like everybody else when yeah. they're being like that to you, uh, that isn't the best way to go. Yeah. Um, and I do think that in the long run, it will pay off for you. Absolutely. Uh, it might not pay off at every single job, with every single boss, with every single coworker, but I think in the long run, we are moving out of this dog-eat-dog world type culture. Yeah. And more and more, our generation, the millennials, want to be around people that are nice. Yeah. And if you're not nice, we don't want to be around you. Yeah. And, you know, slowly, those people are going to get weeded out. Yeah. And the people who are kind are going to be the ones that actually get to stick around. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a very, especially in today's culture of such volatility in the political spectrum and just everyday life, there is this, like, sense of, like, we need to be angry. We need to, like – like, they feel like kindness creates softness. But the reality is everyone who has been at, impacted by someone in a good way is usually through kindness. Yeah. And for some reason we forget about that and we become jaded and we're like we have to fight back. But – once again, our actions beget more actions of that. That's just how it's always going to be. Right. And so if we can bring about this kindness, bring about this empathy, this understanding, this um, just joy, hopefully instead of pushing that boulder up a hill by ourselves, through our kindness we have someone who comes alongside us. Yep. And helps us. And I, that's what I love about Mr. Rogers is he always talked about that. Is think about someone who helped you along the way. And I think that's immensely important yep. in the business world, in love, in life, and and yeah. everything is if you want to have a good life, you have to have kindness in yeah. that life. Yeah, and what we were talking about before, like wherever you're at in this stage of your career, whether you're just starting out or you're Lady Gaga and you just won an Oscar – um, it's always going to be hard. Yeah. And so how do you make that into that dream job that you always wanted? And I think you make whatever job you have currently now somewhat your dream job by making the experience of doing that job better. Yeah. And one of the first and best ways to do that is by bringing kindness to whatever you're doing. Yeah. Um, so then the last one was um, have fun. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're like, oh, life's hard. Have uh, fun. <laughs> So with this one, uh, you know, especially this more applies. I mean, it applies to everybody. You should always, just like you should bring kindness. I think you should try to bring some uh, fun to your yeah. to your work, whether even if it's all by yourself. I mean, I've worked with different people that like they're always just in a good mood and having a good time, even though they have no. Like sometimes the stuff that we're doing, I'm like nobody should be enjoying <laughs> this, and yet they are because they're just they've chosen to be the kind of people who aren't going to let their circumstances dictate yeah. their their status. Yeah. Um, but more what I was talking about with this one is for people who are right out of college. When you are in that first job and you have the boss who just gives you mindless work, like rolling out cables or, you know, typing orders into a program or triple checking 
you know, designs for people or whatever, you know, whatever boring thing that you have to do from eight to five or eight to six, take that opportunity instead of being bummed or depressed or annoyed or upset about the fact that your job isn't super uplifting or, or enlightening instead take all that mental energy and all that physical energy that you have and use it to do something fun in the evening and the weekends. Yeah. You know, go crash at other friends' apartments, houses, or, you know, go on trips. And they don't always have to be expensive, crazy things. Like, just find fun things to do. Movie night. Movie yeah. night. Yeah, yeah exactly. D&D, &D, whatever. Yeah. You know, I mean, it can be big things. It could be little things. Whatever you can afford, obviously. Um, but take your freedom of not having kids, not having a mortgage, not having all these things, you know, like you can get away with having the old car that's about ready to fall apart when you're younger. When you get to your 50s or 60s, you'd probably like to have something more reliable, you know, or you might be helping your kids have the car, you know. Um, so there's just things that like, um, you know, I feel like people end up spending so much of their time not at work complaining about work when they're younger, especially when they're first out of school, when it's like, no, like, just see that as what it is yeah. and then go do stuff and enjoy it. And that once again was a thing that I just, I felt like I really did not do a very good job at. I spent all my non-working hours stressing about work mm. and what I was accomplishing, what I wasn't accomplishing, where I was at, comparing myself to other people that I forgot to just accept it for what it is. Yeah. The dues that you got to pay when you're first starting out. And then once I'm done with work, stop thinking about work. Yeah. And just go have fun with my friends, with my families, you know, just go out and experience life in a way that you really like now being in my 30s, man, there's just I don't have the freedom to go and do the kind of stuff I could when I was 20. Yeah. I mean, even just being like not married, you know, all these different things that you're just able to just more freely go on fun little adventures, yeah. whatever they might be. Yeah, I think understanding because I, I, I think you could be listening to be a young person and with anxiety or um, anything like that, it's like drowning. It feels it, – it overwhelms you and it, it feels suffocating and it's not a choice. Anxiety is just like it happens and it overcomes you. And so you could say like how do I have – how do I stop? How do I leave work at work? And I think it's easier when you have a healthier work environment. Um, when it's a unhealthy, it tends to like stick to you and just, but that's where you have friends. Hopefully you have friends or get to know people. Or um, For me, what really helped me personally is I'm an introvert, so I don't like going out as much. So I found shows, I watched shows that I really liked. And it really helped me, like reading good books and um Finding those things that are going to take your mind off of the thing that tortures you, <laughs> yeah, and finding solace in 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 the beautiful uh, comfort of entertainment or a good book or whatever it is. And so um, I think also realizing to have patience that the job that you are at, we, I think when you're younger, I mean even when you're older, people feel like this especially in politics or anything in life, is the moment they are in is going to last forever. They are – it's like a burning building and they're like, ah, like there's no hope. That's like this idea of it's this is going to go on forever and forever and forever. And then as soon as they get out of it, they completely forget their experiences. I think it's good to remember where we came from and to remember that the present moment doesn't last forever. 
So that should give us a better appreciation for when we're in the good times, when we're in the bad times, when we're in the stressful times, you know, whatever it is. My wife always asks me, like, how do you have, like, such patience when it's really boring? Because I was like, I know the mundane is better than the really hard moments that I had five years ago, whatever. Yeah. And so having patience in that and enjoying each moment that you're in and remembering where you came from and looking forward to the future. Yeah. It is a constant cycle. Yeah. Life is a constant cycle. Yeah, and so, I mean, I was definitely one of those people who were like, if people said, well, you just need to not worry about so much, I'd be like, like, I can do that. Right. You know, and I think the part that I was missing was what you're talking about, which is when you're in that bad job, this is your first job out of school, you're six months into working there, two, three months into working there, right? And you hate it and it's horrible and your boss doesn't care about you and the work is mundane or boring or not using your skills at all or people double check your work and it drives you crazy, whatever. Like there's tons of stuff we can all complain about, right? You have to remember that it's temporary. (laughs) And, And going back to that paying your dues part, that's why I put this one at the very end because like all that other stuff I talked about, you have to like really like, Take a hold of that and make it your your truth in yep. your life, which is this is just six months of paying your dues till you find a better job. Or this is just a year of paying your jobs until you find a better yeah. job. You know, and just go in, do the job, don't let it get to you so much because this is not where you're going to be forever. <laughs> this is purely a stepping stone to something better. It's an entry job, entry it's level a, job. Yeah, and they, the first five jobs could be entry yeah, level jobs. Yeah, and they jobs. all yeah. suck. Yeah. <laughs> so you did not you did not misstep. Yeah. You did not mess up. Yeah. You are not going to be stuck here forever because you chose the wrong job. This is purely just your first job to get your foot going. Yeah. You know, to get your your career started. Um, and, and it's, and that was my problem, you know, is that like I was working at a job for a year and I, it just was not at all what I wanted to do. And I thought I had just completely ruined my opportunity and my chances and nobody would ever hire me now. Cause I only had one shot to come out of college and get that good career right. and I blew it. And that is the farthest thing from the truth. <laughs> the farthest thing yeah. from the truth. There is nothing about going and getting an entry-level job that blows your opportunities for going and getting another entry-level right. job. That's why they're called entry-level, yeah. because anybody who's halfway qualified can get them. Uh, and then on top of that, if it's in the general field that you're wanting, you can probably still use that entry-level job to get the second job at the thing that you might have actually really wanted to do. Right. Because that's also how the world works. Yeah. So... I think that's the biggest thing that like for me, when people are like, you just need to let go. You just need to relax. I wish somebody had said, this is just a temporary stepping stone in six months. You're not going to be doing this. So for now, just do the job, go home. If your boss is annoying, just write them off as annoying. Mm -hmm. If your boss checks, checks your work all the time, just write her off as somebody who's nitpicky about work. And now that I'm saying that's easy, it's not because it's not, Yeah, but that's still kind of the mindset that you need to have because like all you're doing is ruining that six months of your life yeah. when you could be doing something fun yeah. and enjoying the fact that you're out of college and you don't have to write college essays in the evenings and study for tests or put projects together. It's like now's your chance yeah. to enjoy your weekends, to yeah. enjoy your evenings, to go hang out with friends, family, whatever, pick up new hobbies, you know, things that you've ever been interested in learning how to do. Now's your time to do it Yeah. Um, versus – coming home, 
and complaining and stressing about your job all day long. And I know it's hard when you're a young idealist and you have very strong opinions of the world and you have very, very, and, and your job treats you unjustly and it just ruins you, it wrecks you. But the reality is more than likely if you have anxiety or something like that, it's going to stick with you. It's going to bother you and there's nothing you can do about it. So I'm telling you right now that in a year from now, you're not going to be there. You're going to be doing something else. And if you are in that area where you're past that job, great. Look back and say, that was a learning lesson. I wish I had not stressed out for those six months, those a year, but I did. That's okay. I'll move on. So have grace right now where you're at, where you're doing. Know that you don't always have the power to change your situation, but you have the ability to change your expectation. You have your mind, yourself, your body. <laughs> Those are literally the only things that we have the capability to change. And we could be kind. Yep. And so that's where it comes back and having fun. Yeah. It's have fun. Find yeah, a way. I, find something that you enjoy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think giving yourself grace in this situation uh, through this whole process is huge. Huge. Um, and I think, too, like the other thing I'd say is even if I could go back and tell all my tell myself all these things or even if I could go back in time and have to redo the experience again as I am today, it would still be horrible. Yeah. And I would still not do a good job. Yeah. And I would still not manage it well. And I would still finish it wishing that I had done things differently, even with the experience I have now of already going through it. And I think that's the part that people just don't talk about enough that I wish they would in colleges or in career centers or whatever in high school, you know, is that like that stage of like transitioning from I've never had to work and be an adult and work for my living. I mean, and people will be like, oh, well, I had a college on campus job or, oh, I had a, college, a job in high school or whatever. Oh, yeah. my, my parents didn't pay for anything. So I had to work for whatever. You were still living in an ecosystem that was partly taking care of you yep. and providing for you. Yeah. When you enter the real world and you are out on your own, that is a completely different experience. Yeah. And that's what I'm talking about. Whatever you transition from, whether it's college or high school or your parents' bedroom, uh, basement, whatever, that, not your parents' bedroom, that'd be <laughs> weird. Uh, basement, uh, when you transition from that to that next level of like, I'm out on my own yeah. and it's up to me to take care of myself, yeah. um, that transition is always hard. Mm -hmm. always hard. And so these are just tips that I wish that somebody had told me to kind of make it a little easier. Yeah. I'm not saying it would have made it easy Yeah, or it would have taken all the hard parts away or that all of a sudden I would have loved the experience. It's just things that I'm like, I think I could have made it instead of being a 10 out of 10 on hard, I might've made it an eight out of 10. Yeah. And those extra two points would make a huge difference. Huge difference. Yeah. You know? Um, so anyways, for all those that are, listening and are going through that i would say good luck yeah We're with you we went through it yeah like i said i don't know a single person still going through it yeah 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 i don't know a single person that isn't going through that for everybody who's passed that big transition stage of leaving kind of that um kind of the that bubble and joining the real world uh Maybe you're at a stage now where you just became a new parent or you just got married or you just became a parent of two or three or or you just 
came into a situation where your parents are ill now and you're having to take care of them. I mean, there's a large gamut yeah. of where we're constantly, life is constantly transitioning us to yeah. the next stage. Um, and so I think with all that, these things all still apply. You know, be humble, respect those who have already come before you and have done it, learn from them. Uh, remember that you don't have instant success. There's no such thing as overnight success. Give yourself a lot of grace. Come with a healthy perspective. Be kind to others for the sake of yourself and for the sake of humanity. And then most importantly, try to have some fun while you're doing it because life isn't meant to be miserable. Yeah. Yeah. Those are great words of advice. Um, You may be sitting and listening and and feel tired or exhausted. It's heavy. Life's heavy. But – Breathe, live, love, laugh. <laughs> but uh, that I should mean, just be our sign off every time. Ah, I guess Breathe, so. live, Breathe, love, love, laugh, laugh. <laughs> Isn't it just the three L's? Usually, live, love, laugh. But um, yeah, I, I and it's I I would say one more thing is look back and celebrate your accomplishments. Look back where you came from. Um, I mean, Ryan ate. Popcorn soup or something? No, tomato soup. (laughs) Peanut butter and jelly. It's delicious. I've already talked about this. You're going to try it one day. Didn't you you try it one day, didn't you? I don't know if I did. I thought you did. I might have. Scraps tried it and he loved it. Yeah. I mean, Um, and Scrap eats raw meat, so you know that's fine. And people might be thinking I'm talking about a dog, but no, I'm talking about a good friend. Do you know Scrap? I know Scrap. Do you know Scrap? This is real God given Christian names. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) But, um, I, I think it's important to look back yeah. because, like we said, the successes you do have can kind of blend into the hard work and blend into life, and it's hard to celebrate those yeah. because it's not as big a leap. Every It is little steps. I mean, it really is. There's very few times, and if it is a leap, it's like going up another staircase. Like yeah. you're going up two flights of stairs instead of one. You know? yeah. It's never you're jumping the whole staircase altogether. Yeah. So – have grace. Look back. Celebrate. Yeah, and realize this is this is stuff that we've you have already done. Yeah, yeah. You did this when you went from high school to college. Yeah. You do it when you go from college to the real world. You do it when you go from the entry level job to the middle management job. Yeah. You know, I mean, you've we've done this over and over and over again in our lives, and it's something that we will continue to do. That we easily forget how to do it. Yeah. And when we were like, when all of a sudden we're like, oh, it's hard again. <laughs> You know, it's like, well, of course it is because it's life yeah. and that's how it works. Yeah. Um, and and we can let ourselves get bummed or depressed yeah. about it, but what's the point in that? Yeah, we're resilient. It, Celebrate we, the resilience yeah. of yeah. the human spirit. We've survived this long and enjoyed yeah. the ride for the most part, so yeah. we're going to keep going and enjoy the ride the rest of the way for the most part. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag grind. <laughs> uh, well, from everyone here at Studio Red... And QT with RT, we want to thank you for listening. Yep. Thank you for joining us on The Grind. That's right. I'm Ryan. I'm Todd. We'll talk to you next week. This has been a Studio Red production. For more, go to studioredmedia.com.